so today we're in the absolute last section of John, right down to the very last verse. It's taken us a while, hey, but we got there. Um, For those of you that missed last week, let me just set the scene for what is happening. So the disciples were by the Sea of Galilee, and just before this chunk of scripture today, um, they had taken themselves fishing and hadn't caught caught anything. Um, And then a lone figure is standing on the shore, and he tells them to throw their nets out on the right side of the boat. And as we heard before, (laughs) when they did that, they caught 153 fish, heaps of fish. Um, In seeing this miracle, John proclaims, it's the Lord, Jesus is standing on the shore. And in typical Peter fashion, he jumps out of the boat and starts swimming towards Jesus. Um, This is the third time that the disciples have seen Jesus uh, since his resurrection. Um, It's the second time that Jesus actually performs this very miracle. The first time being, um, really the first recorded incident uh, that we actually see Jesus interact with Peter and John and some other disciples. Um, Way back in Luke 5, he actually told them to take him out fishing after he'd been um, speaking a while um, and they hadn't caught anything that night. And they were hesitant and yet they obeyed him and off they went. And once again he told them to let their nets out the other side of the boat and they caught heaps and heaps and heaps of fish. So in seeing this miracle, you know, of course John and Peter, light bulb, of course it's Jesus. Um, He's done this before. Both Peter and John and some of the others had seen Jesus do this miracle. Jesus prepares them breakfast um, and they sit together by the fire eating. After breakfast, with the smell of charcoal um, and cooked fish in the air, I know I love the smell of charcoal chicken. I don't know if you do, but I don't know what charcoal fish smells like, but I imagine it smells good. Um, They walk. And this is where we find ourselves today. And if you have your Bibles, we're in uh, John 21, 15 to 25. And this is what it says. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to the disciple, this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the other disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? This is the disciple who testifies these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many, many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole 
world would not have room for the books that would be written. So, in the last 10 verses, at the end of um, John, we see Jesus and Peter walking, having a private conversation, closely followed by John. We're not sure where the other disciples are. John doesn't mention them. They could have been trailing behind. They could have been still sitting around the fire. We don't know. But you can picture it. You can see John and, and, you can, and then you can actually see Peter and Jesus walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus asked Peter three times if he loves him. The question corresponding to the three times that Peter denied Jesus before he was crucified. Just as Jesus predicted that he would. Peter obviously doesn't see the connection as he's hurt when Jesus asks him a, th- a third time if um, he loves him. The weight of his mistakes, the significance of the moment is actually lost on Peter. Um, if you remember the night of Jesus' arrest as written in John 18, Peter did the one thing he swore he wouldn't do. Um, he denied being a follower of Jesus. Peter denies him not once, not twice, but three times. Before the sun rises, he denied being a follower of Jesus. There were three separate times. And because there were three separate times, this wasn't just an accident. He couldn't claim it was a momentary slip-up. He had two other opportunities to rectify his mistake, to redeem himself, but he failed. He had publicly denied Jesus. And we see the weight of shame that Peter carries at the end of that chapter when he actually weeps bitterly. And yet, here on the water's edge, Peter is walking with Jesus. It's not the first time Peter has seen Jesus since his resurrection, but things are still unresolved. And then, you see, Peter recognises that it's Jesus. He jumps out of the ship and he starts swimming. You see, we know that Peter actually gets it. We know that the only hope that he has is in the one that he actually rejected in the first place. We, and then what we really see in this interaction is probably the, for me, it's the truest indication of what true forgiveness is through the eyes of Jesus in what actually happens in this chunk of scripture. When someone wrongs us, <laughs> we may say that we forgive them. We actually probably have decided that we have forgiven them. Um, but often our future interactions with that person are clouded there's some caution there you know we have forgiven but we haven't forgotten we've all heard that statement before Um, we've all chosen to probably do that Um, there's we're often a bit wary of the person that hurt us Uh, there's probably a lack of trust present Um, and you know what and in all of this this is just not how Jesus operates in this picture we actually see that Jesus operates completely different than we do For Jesus, sins are truly forgiven. In Jesus' interaction with Peter, um, we see forgiveness that leads to trust and actually leads to a new purpose. Peter gets given a new purpose. Jesus actually gives Peter a job to do. He doesn't just use words. um, His actions instill trust and and give purpose. Um, Each time Peter is asked, hey, do you love me? The answer isn't met with just a pat on the back. And a, and a placade like we might actually do. Um, Jesus meets Peter's declaration with a command. He issues a fresh challenge to Peter. He essentially is giving Peter a new commission. It's time for Peter to learn how to be a shepherd, a pastor, 
how to lead, how to feed and how to care and look after the lambs and sheep. You know, Jesus himself is actually known as the Good Shepherd. We heard about this way back in chapter 10, so quite some time ago. Jesus, he has the task of leading, feeding and caring for his sheep. He is the Good Shepherd. He knows his sheep and they know him. Um, And yet here we find in 21, we see Jesus is actually commissioning Peter to share with him in this task of shepherding. He invites Peter to partner with him in his ministry. This is Jesus not just showing forgiveness, but saying, Peter, I have deep trust in you. He is trusting Peter to share in his very own ministry. He is trusting the earthly care of his sheep to Peter. Jesus actually gives Peter a new purpose, a new work to do. In Peter's denial and then reaffirmation of his love, we see Jesus not only restore him, but we see an example of absolute forgiveness. What's done is done. Now let's get to work. Oh, and by the way, Peter, I'm probably giving you a bit of a um, promotion. Your mistakes do not disqualify you in partnering with me. Simon, Peter, I trust you. Let's go. Do you know it's actually the same for us? You know, our mistakes do not disqualify us. Repentance brings trust. Jesus says, let's get to work. Your purpose is to partner with me. Your sin does not disqualify you. This interaction with Peter, um, ha, ha, um, the, this interaction that Peter has with Jesus, really, and the grace that's extended towards Peter is the same grace that we receive. You know, we, could no, we can never, ever earn our forgiveness. And, and Jesus giving Peter this opportunity is not Peter earning his forgiveness. Um, Jesus shows how absolute his grace is. He moves past the sin, the hurt, and the shame to restoration, trust, and mission, a unique purpose for Peter. Jesus is committed to saving failures. Isn't that great? (laughs) Saving failures, using failures, and renewing failures. Um, Despite our dysfunction, Jesus wants us to actually join with him in the work that he is doing. He trusts us, which is a little bit scary, hey? He trusts us. Mistakes do not disqualify us from partnering with Jesus to build his church. In verse 18, it says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you you will stretch out your hands and someone else um, will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. It's not the first time Peter's heard this. Um, Peter was commanded to follow Jesus, um, the first being way back in Luke 5, um, during that great, uh, what did I call it? Great miracle of, ca- of the, ca- the great catch of fish. First time, at the end of that, um, Jesus turns to Peter and says, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Follow me. And in, in this context, there's kind of a double meaning. Um, first, be, first, a reminder or a warning that Peter is going to walk the same path that Jesus did. You know, that his fellowship of Christ was ultimately going to end in death, just as Jesus experienced. We know that Peter um, was also crucified. And Christian history kind of tells us that Peter um, felt unworthy to be crucified the same way as Jesus, and he was crucified upside down. 
he considered himself unworthy. Peter's mission as a shepherd to Jesus' flock would end with Peter actually giving up his life for that flock, just like Jesus did. He was going to walk the same path as Jesus. But the other lesson in this context is simply follow me. You know, in order for Peter to be the shepherd, he actually needed to be reminded first that he was actually a sheep. You know, the only way for Peter to lead, feed and care was to first follow. Which in our context, in 2022, is just as crucial to the way we live out our faith as it was for Peter so long ago. In order to be on mission, to step into whatever Jesus has asked us to do, in whatever an environment, wherever we're placed, we first need to follow. Our ability to follow Jesus is absolutely mission critical to what he's asked us to do. You know, in verse 20, it goes on, it says, Peter, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved who was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, this is what, what is it to you? See, John and Peter up until this point um, had basically been partners in everything. They'd been on the same team, on the same mission. Uh, they often are mentioned together throughout John. Uh, at times, there seemed like there was some competition. Two very different people with very different personalities who often tackled situations, questions and circumstances differently. And yet, they're actually part of the same team in ministry together. Uh, these two dis disciples have played a significant and related role um, up until this point, and it, now it actually appears that Jesus has different paths for them. He actually has something different for them to do. Peter has just been given a huge task, <laughs> feed and care for my sheep. Join me in ministry, in my very own ministry. Huge task. And he turns and he looks at John and he says, hey, what about him? This is actually my favourite part of the whole passage because if you read it like I do in the tone that I choose to read it in, um, you, it can actually seem like Jesus being a little bit sarcastic. And sarcasm to me works. Um, so Jesus answered, If you want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. What is it, what is it to you what John's mission and calling will be? You just need to follow me. You know, who hasn't heard or said, mind your own business in their lifetime? This is essentially what Jesus is actually saying. What is it to you? Mind your own business. Stay in your lane. Stop worrying about what John's doing. Worry about what I've actually given you to do. Focus on what you must do. I bet when Jesus looks at us <laughs> and our almost habit of comparing, um, of envy, of coveting what someone else is doing or ha has, I'm um, saying the same thing. Nick, mind your own business. Stop worrying about what other what about others and focus on what I've actually given you to do. You know, we spend so much time looking back, 
glancing at others, looking at their giftings, ministry, calling, where God has placed them, wishing we could do or be who they are and what they're doing, that sometimes we, it actually totally distracts us from what God actually has asked us to do. You can lose your focus. Your calling can wobble a little bit. You can lose your footing. Your confidence can go. And, and direction when you look at others. We actually all have a part to play as the body of Christ. We're actually all invited to participate. Every single one of us is invited to participate in what Jesus is doing. But when we look at the other parts of the body and wonder or envy, we are not as effective as we should be um, in doing what God actually has called us specifically to do. Jesus is saying, mind your own business. Mind your own business, stay on your own path, focus on what Jesus has for you to do. Don't worry about what such and such is doing. Worry about what I've asked you to do. Worry about where I've actually placed you. Part of accepting Jesus' commission and choosing to follow is understanding that we are saying yes to whatever and wherever Jesus takes us, wherever he leads. You know, about 20-something years ago, um, I was at a conference and I heard Joyce Meyer speak for the very first time. Do you guys know who Joyce Meyer is? I'm assuming you do. She's, she's been around a long time and she's pretty well known. Um, and I will we'll never forget the message that she spoke. As I said, it's 20 plus years ago and I'm pretty hopeless with these things. If you asked me what happened two weeks ago, I probably couldn't tell you, but I can remember this message. Joyce told a story um, of when she was newly married and, and she kind of felt that God was calling her to preach. Um, but at the time, <laughs> there wasn't really any woman preachers and um, not only that, but their woman really didn't, women didn't really get a platform or have a voice. And not really knowing what to do with her giftings, um, she didn't really know what to do. So she started looking around at what all the other newly married young wives were doing and thought, well, I better do what they're doing. And at the time, um, most of the, the young ladies around her were homemakers. And so she started to look at what they were doing. I thought, oh, I need to do that too. And most of them were really good at growing um, their own produce at home in their gardens. And so... Here's Joyce, she's trying to grow her own um, vegetables and things and most of them were really good at growing tomatoes and she thought, well, if they're growing tomatoes, I need to grow tomatoes too. And try as she might, she did everything she could possibly do but, do, but she could not grow tomatoes. Nothing that she did mattered. Um, her tomatoes would not grow. She felt like a failure, complete and utter failure. A failure to her husband, a failure as a wife, like... Just a failure as a, as a young lady because her tomatoes wouldn't grow. And as she wrestled with this, she very clearly heard God say to her, why are you trying to grow tomatoes? I've asked you to preach. Stop trying to grow tomatoes. I've equipped you for this other thing. I don't know how many times over my 20 plus years have I heard, stop trying to grow tomatoes, focus on what you've been told to to do stop looking at what everybody else is doing and just do what I've actually called you to do stop trying to grow tomatoes for me that message has stuck because I know I have a tendency to look at someone else and go oh I wish or maybe but no God just wants me to do what he's actually asked me to do following Jesus for Peter was an invitation to, pe to pastor 
This invitation for Peter to join Jesus in his ministry was costly to Peter. Ultimately, he actually gave up his life just like Jesus. John had a different path than Peter. His story, opportunities and ministry was different. No more or less important or crucial to Jesus' overall story and what he was doing. It was just different. So side note, when Jesus actually said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. This started a rumour. Obviously someone overheard it and the early church grabbed hold of it and for some reason they thought that John would actually live until Jesus returned. Um, because, of this rumor, because of this, the rumour spread amongst the believers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to re- remain alive until I return, what is it to you? So Jesus, I'm guessing, probably didn't mean to say anything definite about how long John was going to live. Um, and many scholars believe that this chapter of John, chapter 21, was added after the book of John was completed, particularly because of this little statement, um, because early Christians believed that John was going to live until Jesus returned. Um, And we know that John is obviously not a 2,000-year-old man living in the Middle East somewhere. We know that is not the case. Um, You know, John, John potentially is the only disciple that died of natural causes, but he still died. Jesus in this, in this statement was simply making a point. If you read it in the tone that I read it in, a little bit sarcastically, uh, and maybe early Christians didn't understand um, sarcasm, Jesus didn't say John would live forever. He simply said it was none of Peter's business what John would do. Peter, mind your own business. Stay on task. Focus on what I've actually called you to do. Now, as we wrap up, if I was to summarise... This little chunk of scripture and the things that I actually want you to remember um, from the last bit of John that will actually encourage you today is that your mistakes don't disqualify you. Jesus' forgiveness is absolute. And in that forgiveness, he actually has a purpose for each and every one of you. You all have a part to play. You know, your failures and mistakes do not disqualify you. Jesus is saying, let's get to work. You've got a part to play. And lastly, mind your own business. Stay in your lane. Stop comparing yourselves. Jesus has called you and equipped you for your unique position and purpose. Wherever he's placed you, whatever you do, that's for you. You have a part to play in partnering with Jesus to build up his church. Your part is probably different to my part. Um, Don't worry about what I'm doing and I shouldn't worry about what you're doing. We're all in this together, but we all have a unique part to play. Um, Focus on what God's asked you to do. God um, has a purpose for you. You know, Jesus, Jesus chooses us. No matter how many times I think about that, I can't get my head around it. Jesus actually chooses us to partner with us in his redemptive story. He gives actually us a part to play in his redemptive story. He chooses to actually invite us to participate. What a privilege that is, hey? Yeah, let me pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you do choose us, regardless of our mistakes, regardless of our failures, regardless of the amount of times that we may deny you, Lord, that you actually choose to use us and that you do have a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us, wherever you've placed us, whether that's you know, at home, at school, 
um, within the workplace, wherever you've, wherever you've given us a platform, Lord, you have something for us to do and I thank you for that. I thank you that you trust us. I thank you that your forgiveness is absol- absolute and that in that, Lord, that you just invite us to participate with you. I pray that as, a, as your people that we will just um, bring you honour and glory, that we'll keep our eyes on what you've asked us to do and that we'll encourage each other as we go. In your name, amen.